Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised, I worship you. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm Andy Baylog. Yes, Merry Christmas. I'm Jordan Pine. It's that blessed time of year, and today... We have a special Christmas episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies, just for the holiday season. We'll be looking at a familiar part of the Christmas story, but in a whole new way. And let's get right to it by listening to the Word of God. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That was Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. Today we're going to examine the Xmas story in a whole new way. But first, did you just feel offended when I said Xmas? Did you think to yourself something like, hey, let's keep the Christ in Christmas? Well, here's a fun fact that you might not know and that you can share with your relatives at Christmas dinner this holiday season. Xmas is not a non-religious version of Christmas. The X is actually the Greek letter Chi, which is short for the Greek Christos or Christas, meaning Christ. So Xmas and Christmas are equivalent in every way except for their lettering. Also, it wasn't heathens who started this practice. It was a very popular practice with religious scribes, people that wrote the Bible. This makes sense because one of the earliest Christian symbols was an abbreviation and combination of the first two Greek letters of Christas known as the Cairo. It's a neat little symbol that looks sort of like a long P with an X through it. So now you know. Thanks for that, Jordan. So getting back to our lesson today, let's get right to the key to unlocking the deeper meaning of this well-known passage. Now to recap, the wise men, or magi, brought baby Jesus multiple gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In the Bible, gold symbolizes kingship. For instance, 1 Kings tells us that Solomon received 666 talents of gold in a single year. Now, one talent was about 15 years wage for a laborer. So that would be equal to about $300 million worth of gold today in just one year. In any case, the Magi's gift of gold recognized Jesus as a future king. That's clear from prophecy in Psalms, Daniel, Revelation, and from the early portion of the story of the Magi. Yeah, in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 2, it reads, 
Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, what did they say? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Next up is frankincense. Frankincense is a symbol of the high priest. Let's look at Leviticus 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now when anyone presents a grain offering as an offering to the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it. He shall then bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, and shall take from it his handful of its fine flour and of its oil with all of its frankincense. And the priest shall offer it up in smoke as its memorial portion on the altar, an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. Yeah, so the priests were instructed to use it to create smoke or a soothing aroma to the Lord. Now, some traditional Christian denominations, such as Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, they do the same thing to this day. The priest swings a smoking ball called a thurible, and inside that thurible is actually burning incense. So now you know, the priests of Aaron started this tradition, and the main ingredient in their incense was frankincense. So question, what's the meaning in the Christmas story? Well, for an answer, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 8, and it reads, Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Yeah, we did a whole Bible study on Melchizedek. It's really a fascinating study. And you know, the order of Melchizedek, it really refers to a priesthood that's superior to the Levitical priesthood. That's because Melchizedek actually predates Abraham, or he was a contemporary of Abraham. He was both the king of Salem and a priest of the Most High God. King of Salem, Salem became Jerusalem, uh, and a priest of the Most High God. You know, uh, Abraham gave him a tithe, or a tenth, of his choicest spoils in Genesis 14. And uh, in any case, the author of Hebrews tells us there in Hebrews 5, and also in Hebrews 6.20, that Jesus Christ is a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Yeah, Jordan, so some might ask, you know, what does that mean for us today? Well, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, acting as our high priest, our intercessor, and a much better one than the Israelites ever had or ever knew. In Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 11, it says, Every priest stands daily, ministering, and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But he, meaning Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. So, the Magi's gift of frankincense recognized Jesus as our high priest. And a little side note, also that latter phrase in Hebrews 10:12, which says, until his enemies be made a footstool. That's just another prophecy of his future kingship. Yeah, we'll start to see those uh, two or three things, often within one passage or one verse, that allude to these different um, roles or offices of Jesus Christ. And that, that brings us to myrrh, the third gift of the Magi. John 19 makes it clear what the hidden meaning of myrrh was. John 19 verse 30 says, Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jumping to verse 38. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, 
but a secret one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate granted permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrappings with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. We've seen gifts that signify Jesus would be a king and a high priest. Now we see a gift that signifies his role as a prophet of Israel. Now we don't often think of Jesus this way, but it is consistent with Scripture. We find it in prophecy, and we find Jesus calling himself by that title, and we find testimony from others as well. So let's look at each one. First, the prophecy. Deuteronomy 18:15. It says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him. Of course, ultimately, Israel did not listen to him. Yeah, next we have Jesus calling himself a prophet. That's in Mark 6, 4. He says, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. And that was Jesus speaking in his hometown after his native Nazareans rejected him. And finally, testimony from others. During Stephen's famous Stephen in the book of Acts, during his famous defense before the Sanhedrin, after the death of Jesus, and shortly before his own death, he said in Acts, You are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have become. So we see clearly that Jesus was a prophet as well as a king and high priest. Yeah, and like most prophets, as Stephen points out, he was killed. Yeah, he was actually, like most prophets, killed outside the city gates of Jerusalem. Right. So thus we see that the funeral spice of myrrh foreshadowed his betrayal and his murder. And it's interesting also to note what Stephen said as he was being stoned to death shortly after that passage that you read, Andy. He said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So once again, we have a passage that ends with two offices of Jesus um, because he saw Jesus in his next office, that, that of the high priest, the intercessor at God's right hand. Yeah, Jordan. And you know what? These three roles as prophet, priest, and king are also encoded in the three names used for our Savior in the Bible. And let's break them down here. Number one, we'll start with Jesus. Jesus, the past prophet who died. Lord, our present high priest. And Christ, who is to be our future king. Now, which names are used in a Bible passage and the order in which they are used emphasizes a different office. Yeah, for example, Jesus Christ, our Lord, would emphasize his humanity and his sacrifice as the prophet who died for our sins by leading with his human name, Jesus. Lord Jesus Christ, on the other hand, would emphasize his second role as high priest and intercessor as our Lord. For instance, Paul writes in Romans 5, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the order of those three words. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, there it is again, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. And notice that word reconciliation, it speaks of his high priestly role. Amen. Now, remember, the high priest's actions reconciled the Jewish people to God. So the Apostle Paul is saying that because of the finished work of our high priest on the cross, we have permanent reconciliation and peace with God ongoing. He leads with the title Lord to emphasize this. 
And today we use the phrase, Lord of my life, to indicate rulership and yielding of control. And that's not wrong because Jesus is at God's right hand. He is next to the throne of power. But the Apostle Paul shows that the title more accurately refers to Christ's office as high priest. He is the one through whom we are reconciled to God. Lastly, leading with or using the title Christ emphasizes his kingship. You know, we often say King Jesus, and that's what really what Christ means. So, you know, in Matthew 16, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And again, notice they're mentioning prophets there. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yeah, and later in Acts chapter 3, Peter gave a sermon to the men of Israel after Jesus had ascended. Here's just a part of it. Therefore, repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, the Christ, appointed for you. Now, Christ, or Christos, in Greek literally means anointed one, or one who is set apart. It has the same meaning in Hebrew, actually. Both high priests and kings were anointed. But the Jewish Messiah, who was often referred to as King Messiah, was to be a specific king descended from the line of kings that, of course, included King David and King Solomon. Yeah, so the Apostle Peter is telling the Jewish people there in Acts 3 that Jesus is the King Messiah appointed for them. So whenever Christ appears in the Bible, it is a powerful reference to prophecy, a prophecy that has yet to be fulfilled. We know from Revelation 20 and other prophetic passages in the Bible that Christ Jesus, King Jesus, will rule over all the earth for a thousand years. In fact, that time may be very near, so we should also heed Peter's words when he says, Repent and return and confess, so your sins may be wiped away, and you can enjoy his presence and look forward to times of refreshing. I agree so much, Jordan. Okie doke, so in conclusion, a couple points. The gold, frankincense, and myrrh that baby Jesus was given were each significant and had a deeper prophetic meaning. Now, the names Jesus is given in the Bible also line up with and recall this deeper meaning. So the next time you read the Christmas story, or if you're reading your Bible and see a name for Jesus, or multiple names in a certain order, pause to consider the deeper meaning that's encoded therein. And because it's Christmas, we have a little gift that's a bonus fact. Um, As a final side note and a bit of Bible trivia for you, you know, people often say, Andy, the three wise men brought Jesus the gifts that we examined today. And if you look at a nativity scene, for example, there are usually three wise men standing there. And we even have a Christmas carol, We Three Kings. You know, but our scripture reading today, Matthew 2.1, just says that Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? The Bible doesn't number them. The idea there were three probably arose because there were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But it's likely that the Magi were much more than three. Yeah, Jordan, you know what? All true. Another key point that we probably touched upon is poor. But it's, it's interesting to note that when the Magi first recognized the North Star and they followed it, from the east. We don't know exactly what country, but they traveled a long way, um, long enough to the point that we know that when they finally arrived at Herod in Jerusalem, they asked them and said, 
where is the baby king so we could worship him? Interestingly enough, we know that according to scripture, Herod from then that point on automatically understood that, yes, the Messiah must be born. There was just too much coincidence going on. So what did he do? He called for his soldiers to kill every child from the age two and under. So it wasn't just a newborn baby that they were coming to worship. No, this was a toddler at this point because it took them a couple of years to travel all that distance, however way they came. So realistically, and the reason why I bring this up is that when you look at a nativity scene, there are some variations of it. Maybe you want to explain what I mean by that to our listeners. Well, yeah, they have a baby Jesus in a manger, I think is what you're driving at. And at that point, he, would, he wouldn't have been a baby if the wise men were present. I mean, originally when he was born, obviously. Actually, they probably weren't even in a stable, come to think of it. They probably would have been in a house with the toddler at that point. Exactly. So it's, it's sort of also incorrect to have three wise men present in the stable at his birth because they couldn't possibly have gotten there that fast. Yeah, it's just a little, of, you know, something interesting to talk about at the dinner table for Christmas. And yes, according to scripture, There were witnesses, but those were the shepherds that the angel came and revealed himself to and announced that the Messiah was born. Right. So those were shepherds in the field that came and witnessed Jesus Christ being born and put in the trough, in the major. So as far as that goes, again, to reiterate what you said, the Magi being in the nativity scene is actually non-scriptural. Right. The Magi must have been there when he was already a toddler. Yeah, you know, uh, I think you've mentioned what the, you know, the reality of it versus sort of, let's call it the Disney version, you know. So these nativities are sort of a Disney version. There's a lot of inaccuracies in them. And I think it's important to to understand that, you know, that uh, what happened is they had to flee, ultimately flee to Egypt, right, to get away from being executed. I mean, that that's how, yeah. that's how serious it was at that time. And and I think it's also interesting in a way, even though it's, a, it's sort of a, a horror story in that sense, to recognize that that's how clear it was to the people at that time that, um, that the Messiah had been born. They, you know, to take that action, King Herod had to be really nervous about a toddler at that point usurping him. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? You know, in retrospect, I know it's sometimes difficult for everyone to really appreciate with the holidays of the gift that... God actually gave us through his son, Jesus Christ. But the most important thing we could do during the holiday season is definitely always, not only for ourselves to recognize the significance of the Messiah being born for us, but also to our family, to the people around us, those who are at our table, and those even, you know, who are at a distance or less fortunate, putting that phone call, you know, writing some letters, sending an email, texting someone even. You know, saying things like, you know, Merry Christmas, Jesus loves you. Even to the most, you know, inconsequential remote person that you wouldn't think it's important. But spreading the love of Jesus Christ is really what the gift of Christmas is all about. And hey, Andy, you know, it's that that message and um, that's that uh, spirit of giving that sort of drives this ministry. You know, um, one of the things that we'd like to tell you is that Anytime you you feel like you need to study God's Word, you know, we're here for you. We've created these twenty little 20-minute easy-to-digest Bible studies that you can download or access anytime for free so that you can dive deeper into God's Word. And, um, you know, we archive all of our lessons and we make them available for, for free. Again, at 20minutebiblestudies.org, our online website. Uh, you can, again, you can listen right there on the website. You can download them for later. 
Uh, You can even subscribe to a podcast version and have them automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. I mean, really, we've tried to make it as easy as possible for any Christian at any time to get a quick little uh, deeper Bible study um, delivered to them. Yeah, and of course, um, everyone listening, by no means are we asking you to listen to this ministry and partake in it and use it to replace church. You know, the, the Bible says in Hebrews, do not forsake the gathering of one another because there's fellowship and love that has to be part of a Christian's life. It, it really is an amazing thing. Right. Um, and if you're in a remote place, then please, by all means, try to get a Bible study. Try to be around other Christians. You know, edify each other. Um, learn to love your fellow man. And um, it's something that Jesus is keeping track of, and one day he will definitely reward you for it. So moving on, Jordan, you know, of just as much importance, it's important to say that our website is a place where you can join in our Bible studies by sharing comments. And please, we, we encourage you, ask any questions you might have. We do have a, a, a growing, strong social media community for, of course, the younger generation. And as a discussion forum, we welcome any questions and comments you might have, and Jordan and I will do our best to collaborate and answer those for you, of course, always using Scripture. Yeah, again, you know, we try to make it easy for anyone to participate, so we have, uh, we have a Twitter account, we have Facebook, we're even on Instagram now, and we're posting all the time. Um, the Gram. Yeah, the Gram. We're posting all the time, sharing uh, new episodes as they're recorded um, and making them accessible there. Um, you know, you, uh, and also while you're on our website, you might want to sign up for email alerts uh, so we can let you know when we've added these new lessons. And it, as a special little thank you, as another little gift, uh, when you do sign up for emails, we have a special series that we made called 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's really edifying. It's really fun, easy to digest again, and it'll really open your eyes to a, a few very cool things in the Bible. And uh, we'll send that to you again as a little thank you or a, a gift. Uh, when you join the online community. Yeah, Jordan, and um, everything you just mentioned is all on our website. And if you want to visit that website, it's, we've tried to make it as easy as possible to remember in case you're driving or if you're on the go and you can't write it down. Again, uh, the name of the show is 20 Minute Bible Studies. So you just type in www.20, as in 20, and then the word minutebiblestudies.org. It's 20minutebiblestudies.org. Now, if you don't want to type so much, and you kind of just kind of have to remember it quickly, we made it even easier. You could just type in 20mbs.org. That's the number 20, and then the three letters, mbs, followed by .org. And while you're there, please also consider donating in support of our mission to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. And we know, we know, again, so many Christians today are struggling to make time besides church. As you mentioned, don't forsake that. You know, time to study God's Word as a supplement in addition to that. And it's, it's, you know, it's difficult to do, it's difficult to find that time. And then, you know, we, we can speak from experience, you feel guilty about it. So that's part of the, what drove us to create this, uh, this ministry, because Bible study is so vital to our spiritual growth. Yeah, for sure, Jordan. And by the way, if someone's out there and they're really starting to fall in love with this ministry and God is opening their heart to this, they get it, if you will, reach out to me and Jordan. We'll help you. We'll go out of our way and we'll help you wherever you live in the U.S. or Canada. And we'll try to help with you under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Find a home church, something that fits you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We truly love you and Merry Christmas to all. Merry Christmas.
Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.